Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. If you're someone that's given to pride, maybe you're given to anger, whatever weaknesses that we may be given to, understand that it can give the enemy an advantage in our life. Right? If you're given to anger, you know you could do something in one moment of anger to change your whole life, ruin your testimony, black-eyed Jesus. You could do something in a moment of rage and anger. You could do something in pride. Whatever our weaknesses are, we want to continue to bring those things to the cross and let the Spirit of God fill us and equip us to be victorious over them that the enemy wouldn't get some kind of advantage over us through our weaknesses. As Christians, no matter how long we've been walking with Jesus, we all have weaknesses. It doesn't matter how much we've conquered through God's grace, our weaknesses always linger in the shadows. Today, Pastor Bill wants you to know that the devil will always use your flaws as a way to draw you away from Christ, and you need to stand firm. The enemy is constantly picking away at what can be broken open in your heart, and God wants nothing more than to deliver you from the darkness. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Esther, chapter 3, as he continues his message. Stand your ground. It says again in verse 4, Now when it happened, when they spoke to him daily that he would not listen to them, that they told Haman to see rather Mordecai's words were stand, because again, the reason he gave them for why he would not bow is that he was a Jew. And I would just say this to you guys. I think as believers, as Christians, that we should be so bold because there may be some things that we don't do because we're Christian, right? Um, you may go somewhere, you may go to something with people at work and everybody else, everybody may be turning up and having drinks and maybe you don't drink because you're a Christian. Um, you may find yourself somewhere and people are, you know, I've had people offer me weed. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm try, I try to be careful not to just say I don't do that. I want to explain why I don't do it because my why is important. Um, there was a guy down the street from my house and we were talking about the dogs and I had walked my dog and I was talking to him and then he pulled out a blunt and he was getting ready to smoke it. He was like, hey, you want to, you want to hit it? And I, I mean, he was, it was actually quite kind and generous of him as if in the non-believing world, he, he bought that weed. I didn't pitch in. I didn't put five on that. You know, it was quite generous of him. So I didn't, I didn't say, you know, I didn't disrespect him. I just said, no, bro, I don't, I don't, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Uh, you know, so I don't, I don't get high. I don't smoke or whatever. Um, that's my why. Um, I just want y'all to understand this, that there are going to be times where you do what you do because you're a Christian or you don't do what you don't do because you're a Christian and you should be okay with putting that out there. We shouldn't be ashamed of that. Amen. We shouldn't be ashamed of saying, look, I'm under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So there's some things I'm not judging you. I'm not putting you down. There's some things that under his Lordship, there's some things I don't do. Uh, there's some things I don't participate in. There's some things that I do do, you know, because I'm a Christian. I want to go feed the spirit. I want to be in the word of God. I want to worship the Lord. I want to be with the saints. That's important to me. I'll catch that later. Um, we we got to share that with people. We got to let them know. And so Mordecai said, look, this is why I'm not bowing because I'm a Jew. Now, let me say this in fairness, because remember the Jews that are here in Persia, these were the Jews that didn't go back when they had a chance to go back. Um, when they had a chance to go back and be with the group from Ezra and Nehemiah, when the walls are going up and, and they didn't go back. These aren't Jews that they're not, they're not worshiping the right way. They're not practicing the right way. Um, God still loves them, right? We're going to see in this book that God is still going to deliver them. And so it, it's kind of conflicting to me. I'm like, man, Mordecai seems like this really stand out, stand up guy. I'm like, well, why wasn't he back where everybody else was? Don't know. 
We don't really get that story, but maybe because he needed to be here. Uh, maybe God needed him where he is right now because this he, he God's got something to do with him now. Maybe he's coming back around. Uh, I don't know. Um, but he does not bow. He lets him know I'm not bowing to that guy because I am a Jew. I also wonder if Mordecai understood. He he knew that Haman was an Agagite. And he would have known that, you know, this this is a cursed people. These are enemies of God. It, that might have also played into the fact that I'm, I'm not bowing to him. I'm not going to give honor to him. Because there was nothing in Jewish law that said you couldn't honor the king that you wouldn't honor an authority. Um, there was nothing that said you couldn't honor them. We wouldn't worship them. We wouldn't bow down and worship, but you could honor them. He's like, I'm not even doing that. I'm not bowing down. I'm not giving honor to that guy. I'm not giving, I'm not giving up nothing. Uh, I remember when I was in kid, when I, when I was in elementary and junior high school, I went to a Catholic school and no matter what time of whatever part of class you were in, if the principal walked into the room, everybody in unison had to stand up next to your desk and say, good afternoon, Mrs. <laughs> whatever her name was, you know, or, or good morning, such and such. And, and they, we trained, they drilled that into us. And so if a principal, an authority came, everybody had to stand up and, and say, good morning, Mrs. or Mr. such and such. Now, you guys ever think there was a kid in class that was like, I'm not standing up. Um, I, I, I saw that happen several times, whatever kids that were like, we're just going to, we're going to sit down and not stand up and see what happens. Um, I'm not saying if I was part of that group or not, but I remember seeing that happen a couple times and some kids lost recess over that. It was real sad for them. So, um, but this is Mordecai saying, I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm a Jew, not going to bow down, not going to give honor to this guy. Now, verse five and six says when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay homage. Haman was filled with wrath. He is furious about this, but it disdained. He disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone for they had told him of the people of Mordecai. Instead, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, the people of Mordecai. So, Haman is, is irate. He is filled with rage and wrath over this, just like Nebuchadnezzar. You guys remember when, when the three Hebrew boys wouldn't bow to his statue? And they were 10 times better than everybody else, so he didn't kill them off the top. He brought them in and said, hey, guys, I heard y'all weren't bowing. I'm going to give you one more chance so you can bow and everything can be good. Okay, here, here goes. And they said, look, we're not going to bow. And rather God saves us or lets us burn, we're not going to bow. We were not. They, I mean, they just gave it to him. And so it says that he was, I was furious. He turned up the fire seven times hotter than normal when they went and, and if the fire was so hot that the men taking them into the fire, they burned up going to the fire. Um, but the three Hebrew boys did not burn up because God was there in the fire with them. But here, so he was furious. Uh, Haman is also furious over this. Um, I want you to note this because who is it that really hates the Jews? Satan. Satan hates the Jews. Why does Satan hate the Jewish people so much? At this point right here, what Satan knew is that the Messiah is coming through this vein. So every attempt against the Jews, it was, it's always been satanic. It's always been satanically inspired. And there have been multiple times in history where someone has sought to annihilate the Jewish people all. And, and here's the amazing thing, right? They, 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 they're still going. Everything God said about them is true. The fact, note this, right? This is one of the, the prophecies in scripture that, that really turned me on to, to the truth of the Bible, right? There's never been a nation of people historically that were wiped out 
and removed from their homeland ever. There's never been a group that were wiped out and removed that came back and flourished ever in history, except for one group, the Jews. There's in, in the history of mankind, anybody else that's been wiped out, they ain't never came back. We, God burned up Sodom and Gomorrah. You ain't never met nobody from Sodom or Gomorrah. It's gone. They smoked them. It's over with. They're not coming back. There's, this has never happened before. But here's the thing. The scripture goes through great detail to detail out, one, that they would be destroyed. Why it was going to happen. It was a result of their rebellion and sin and rejection. And then God says, but they're going to come back. I'm not going to forsake them. I still have a plan for them. I got an end. I got. I got. I got an end time plan for this group. They're gonna not just come back. They're gonna flourish in the land. And this happened in our parents' lifetime, at least May 14, 1948, Right? They Israel was was. They were back in their nation. They they were able to go back home. They were reestablished in Israel. And now, guess what? They're flourishing. Y'all know they're wealthy. They're rich agriculturally, te- technologically. Um, they're well, they're, everything the Bible says about that nation's happening. It's amazing. If you go study it, go look at the people that tried to go to war with them. They should have been wiped out. They're so small and nobody's been able to do it. Go look at the Israel wars. It blow your mind that, that, that no one's been able to succeed at doing this. Because when I'm reading the scripture, God says I'm with them. So, as you walk through scripture and you see these attempts to wipe them out, to destroy them, it's satanic. Satan's like, look, the Messiah is coming through that vein. I want to wipe it out, but he can't, right? We, we, we saw it in Joseph's time. We saw it with, with Moses, kill all the Hebrew babies, you know, kill them at birth, all the boys, kill them. Didn't work then. You get to the New Testament and you got Herod, you know, kill all the babies, you know, when Jesus was born, kill them all. They don't get him though. Um, it, throughout history, all these different attempts, the Messiah still came because it was prophesied they would come and God can't lie. I know the Jews will be here all the way to the end time because t- too much of what happens in the end time happens in Jerusalem surrounding them. They'll be here. They're going to be here just like God said. So, but here we have a, a, this attack on them. And I don't know if Haman, I believe Haman became a tool of the enemy because of his pride. It was his pride that, sa- that Satan was able to leverage and use him as a tool to go against, to come against God's people. And so um, Satan, I think, would exploit his wounded pride, his little hurt feelings. Why are his feelings hurt? What was the big bad thing that the big bad Jews did to him? One person wouldn't bow to him. And it bothered him that much that he's like, they need to all die. Can you think about that for a minute? Think about how unreasonable that is. Everybody bows to you, bro, when you go out. One guy won't bow to you and you say, that guy's whole, that, that his, they, they all need to die. Every one of them. They should all die then. I don't want to just kill him. It would have been enough if he had said, that guy won't bow. I want to do something to him. He said, okay, he won't bow because he's a Jew. I want to find every Jew and kill him, annihilate him, wipe him out. Um, that's what he concludes. Would you guys agree with me that that's, that's extreme? That that's crazy? It's satanic. I believe that Satan put that in his heart. And now he's in a position to walk it out. He's connected to the king who belongs to the devil as well. And, and they're going to come together and, 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 and it's going to be a, a, a satanic marriage made. And they're going to come against the Jews. And the story of Esther, we're going to see God's providence and how God delivers, even though there's, there's another <laughs> adversaries have been raised up against them. And so something I would caution us is that we need to be careful that 
Maybe there's some of you here that have pride. Haman was full of pride and pride gave room for Satan to exploit that and, and do something through him. If you're someone that's given to pride, maybe you're given to anger, whatever weaknesses that we may be given to, understand that it could give the enemy an advantage in our life, right? If you're given to anger, you know you could do something in one moment of anger to change your whole life, ruin your testimony, black eye Jesus. You could do something in a moment of rage and anger. You could do something in pride. Whatever our weaknesses are, we want to continue to bring those things to the cross, And let the spirit of God fill us and equip us to be victorious over them that the enemy wouldn't get some kind of advantage over us through our weaknesses. Haman's weakness of his pride, it caused him to be a tool in the hand of the enemy against the people of God. And so, again, he's not asking for the death of one man. He's asking for a death of the entire nation of the Jews. And so uh, last point from this section is. Um, though Mordecai was pressed daily to bow, um, he did not succumb to peer pressure. And maybe some of us are, are in environments where we're pressed daily to do the wrong thing. Maybe in your work environment, it may be in your school environment. There could be situations in your home even where you're tempted daily or you're pressed daily to go the wrong way. Um, I just want to encourage you like Mordecai, um, that he stood. Even when, even though it was, it was, I mean, it was daily pressure. Everybody else is doing it. Everybody's in his ear. Why don't you just do it? Why don't you just do it? Just bow, just bow, just bow, you know? And I'm sure it got on his nerves, but he was like, he was a man of character and he was a man of, of, I mean, he just didn't care. You know, I think that I got to be careful how I say this. I, I do think it's a spiritual strength to be able to live a life that says, I don't care what you think. Let me be clear what I mean by that. Some people, when they say, I don't care what you think, it's because they don't care how you feel. They don't care. They don't care about anything. Um, that's not what I'm saying. When I say what Mordecai was, I don't care what you think. It's, it's just like this. Compared to what God is telling me to do, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I, I'm living for God's glory alone, right? I'm so concerned with what God thinks that in comparison, I, I don't care what you think. I'm not moved by what you think. I'm not coerced. I don't feel tempted. I don't feel, I'm not moved by your disagreement. I'm not moved by you feeling very, 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 very strong that I should. I, I believe that God has told me not to. Therefore, I don't care what you think. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? I don't want y'all walking around being rude. Said, Pastor told me to tell people, I don't care how you feel. <laughs> you know, That's not what I'm encouraging. But I'm saying when it comes to taking a stand for the Lord, when it comes to standing your ground, um, the things that God has called you to do, the way that God has called you to live. By the way, that was a, that's the, the, the title of this, this chapter. Uh, I forgot to give it in the beginning is stand your ground. Uh, we're going to see that in this section, Mordecai just has to stand his ground and that's what he does here. So moving on now, let's look at verse seven. It says in the first month, which is in the month of Nisan in the 12th year, King Ahasuerus, they cast per, that is the lot before Haman, to determine the day and the month until it fell on the 12th month, which is the month of Adar. So when it says they cast per, this is essentially they cast lots. It's something like shooting dice, uh, a game of chance that they would use to make a decision. And uh, interesting that God even overrides in this situation, right? It, it could have been, this is what they were doing. They were casting lots or shooting dice to say, what month are we going to kill all the Jews on? So it could have been, James, it could have been one month, two months, three months. It was 11 months out is how it fell. This would give God time 
to do some other things and get some other things cleared up. And so um, I, even though they, you know, they, they cast lots to do this, uh, we just see the providence of God throughout this book that God's okay. Okay. Cast lots for when they're going to die. And then I'll make sure that it's far enough away to where we get some things sorted out beforehand. And so 11 months, uh, that's going to give plenty of time for the Lord to work and do some other things. There's a proverb. If you're a note taker, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33. And it says the lot is cast in the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Guys, even when they're casting lots, I'm in charge. I'm sovereign over every decision. And that's what we see here is happening. I want you to note this. Haman's first step in his new position, right? He's just been promoted to second to the king. What's the first thing he does with his new position is he casts lots to determine a suitable date for the mass execution of the Jewish people. That's the first thing he does Empowers almost makes you think that Satan is the one that put him in power. That's your first thing. That's the first thing you're going to do. Your presidents, when they get in, you know, usually when they, usually the first thing they sign is they're making a point. These are the people that put me on. These are the people that have supported me. The first thing that I sign is something that I'm, I'm making a point. I'm, I'm, I'm showing my, um, my, my great, my gratitude to some group or whatever. Um, first thing he does when he gets in power is cast lots to determine when they're going to do a mass execution of the Jewish people. Uh, Again, by God's providence, the date is is almost a year away, 11 months, and God has has left some room and some time for him to work. Look at what happens next. Verse 8, it says, Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered and dispersed among the people of all the provinces of your kingdom, Their laws are different from all other people's, and they do not keep the king's laws. Therefore, it is not fitting for the king to let them remain. If it pleases the king, let a decree be written that they be destroyed, and I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who do the work to bring it into the king's treasuries." So this is what he's doing. There's a little bit of a bribe here, but there's also he's he's leveraging his position before the king um, and he's being deceptive. He's he's kind of got it. He's got the, he's, he's given the king the impression that there's there's this group out there, because if you guys understand how kingdoms were run back here, if there was a group, there was a coup going on. If there was a group of people that were, you know, kind of trying to raise up against the king, king had to squash it out real quick to keep his position. Um, the Jews were not that they weren't trying to rise up and take over Persia. There were none of those things, but that's the, that's the idea that Haman is giving King Ahasuerus. Hey, there's a group of people here and they don't follow any of your rules. They, they do their own thing. They're there. This they're dangerous is what he's insinuating, uh, to the King. And so he's, he's, you know, he's manipulating the King to get permission from the King to be able to wipe them out. He asked the King to, issue a decree ordering the the annihilation of this group. He offered to pay 10,000 talents of silver into the Royal treasury, um, which, which by the way, had been badly depleted because the King of Hatcheris went to Greece and tried to take over and he got whooped and he got sent home. Remember when he came home sad and realized he didn't have a wife and he lost in the battle. Um, he had depleted their resources when he tried to, his failed attempt at, 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 at a battle with Greece and so he needed the money. And so all of this probably sounded good to the king. And Haman took advantage of all of that. 
And uh, we're going to see in just a moment that Hadrian is going to seal the death with his signet ring and, and basically sentence all the Jews in his provinces to be murdered, to be killed in the streets. And so it says in verse uh, 10, so the king took his signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, enemy of the Jews. And the king said to Haman, the money and the people are given to you to do to them as seems good to you. So King Ahasuerus basically tells Haman, hey, go for it, bro. Do what seems good to you. That's scary. When, I, when I'm hearing the king, you know, give his authority, his power to, to Haman, who I know is wicked. The Bible calls him the enemy of the Jews. And it says that he says, hey, do what seems good to you. Go for it. Here's what is encouraging to me. Haman has everything he needs, but it's not enough. He has permission from the king. He has power. He has authority. He is the second to the king. I mean, he has money. He has wealth. He has position. He has power. He has everything. And understand this. All of that is not enough to defeat God. Amen. Right. When the Bible says, if God is with you, who can be against you? Right. If God is with you, who can think about that. Think about everything Haman has in his power. And he's not going to be able to succeed at wiping out God's people because God is saying, no, those are my people. Do you know that about yourself? Do you know that, that as long as as long as God is not done with you, like you, you're covered, there's a divine protection over the believer. Y'all know that 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 we're I mean, until God's done with me, um, the enemy does not have free access. So if something is allowed in my life, I got to look to God and say, God, you allowed it. You could have prevented it, but you allowed it unless you're sinning. And in case that you put yourself out there. But if you're walking with the Lord, obeying God, um, I'm covered. I mean, everything that happens in my life has got to be father filtered, got to pass by dad before it can get to me. Um, that's an encouraging thought. And especially when I look at this, the fact that God protects, he covers, he's, he, he is going to protect this group of people. I'm, I'm cheating ahead of the story. God is going to protect them. But what we see is how much is against them. The king kind of accidentally is against them. He's been misled. Um, he's not given much thought to this. He's given uh, Haman all this authority and power. Haman is clearly against the Jews. His pride has been messed with. This one man won't bow down to me. I'm going to show him. I'm going to wipe out his whole people. I'm going to get everybody for what, what he's doing. Um, that's what Haman intends to do with his power. And he offered this, this $10,000 that he offered. I'm sorry, this 10,000 talents of silver um, that he offered to bring into the treasury. Guess where that money was going to come from? That was going to be spoils. As they slaughtered the Jews and took all their stuff. Um, he was going to bring it back. So um, he, he's already spending the money of dead people and promising it. You know, um, that's, that's what he intended to do. And so let me give us this little bit, right? Throughout history, there has been at different times a concerted effort to destroy God's people, the Jews. Pharaoh tried to annihilate them in Egypt. Haman tried to annihilate them here in Persia. Herod tried to annihilate them in the days of Christ. Hitler tried to annihilate them in our lifespan, and not our lifespan, but in, 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 in more current times. And, and, and after all these failures, after failing to destroy uh, all these different things, um, you know, it, it's, it just seems, you, you see that it's, it's a constant attempt of the enemy to destroy that which 
would come from that which that which belongs to the Lord, that which is precious to God. And so he was trying to stop him before the first coming. You know, I believe Satan was involved in the crucifixion. Satan thought, okay, surely we got him now. We killed him. That didn't work. Then as you get to the book of Acts, those that are proclaiming the message, there's been persecution on Christians from the beginning of the church to the current day. Y'all know Christians are still dying for their faith, right? It's satanic. Have you ever found yourself in the middle of something and thought, why me? In this series, Pastor Bill Buffington is focusing on the life of two main characters that would change how the people of Susa saw God as their king forever. That's right, we're diving into the book of Esther. Esther 4.14 says this, If you keep quiet at times like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. The queen, of course, is one of our lead roles, Esther. The ending quote is known all around the world, but often the first part of the verse is left out. The next time you find yourself asking the question, why me? Remember the story of Esther and how she rose to the challenge. But it would seem under the threat of death. Thank God that we have the choice today to step up and rise to the occasion with the confidence that God is there with us. He will give you the strength you need for such a time as this. Thanks for listening to A Transforming Word. As you let the Word transform you, it will inevitably lead to transforming the world around you too. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. You can check us out at calvaryinglewood.org. And then, if you're in the area, make plans to come see us in person. We've got something for everyone. Once again, that website is calvaryinglewood.org. Well, we're out of time for today, but we'll be back, and we hope you will too. See you next time, right here on A Transforming Word. Transforming Word.